Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Hey there, welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 48 this time out. Well, I'm sitting here in kind of the middle of Thanksgiving weekend on the West Coast, which means outside it's it's cold and sunny. We, we had a sunny, it's nice and sunny. We had a, a tease of a couple of days of rain around Thanksgiving itself, but uh, that seems to be gone for now, and we're, we're kind of hoping by December that our rains kick in. Anyway, I hope that Thanksgiving treated you well wherever you are or might have been over the holiday. And uh, since we're on the topic of Thanksgiving, uh, once again, I wanted to say that I really appreciate all the uh, the downloads and the listening that uh, this interview series has gotten over the last year. There's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of downloads of these different interviews and episodes, and I really appreciate it. So thanks. Someone's listening. And... Uh, one quick update on me, and we'll get to the the bulk of this particular episode. My my new CD, Dog Speed, is now it's now officially off to the Replication Elves. I, I finally stopped tweaking. Uh, it's it's off being printed and copied and packaged, and I should have it in a few weeks. So if you check my website, michaelgaither.com, it'll be up there in a matter of weeks. That's the that's the theory, and I think it'll actually hold true this time. One great quote that I got from a friend of mine, Steve Acelli, yesterday, we were talking about finishing a CD, and I told him how I, I kept tweaking and tweaking and finding things to fix, and uh, finally had to reach a point, like on my last CD, where I said, okay, I've, I'm probably only hearing things that I hear now that are quote-unquote mistakes or things that need, to, that need to be fixed, so I'm officially letting go and p- pushing it off to production. And Steve said he's heard that from a lot of songwriters, because I think that's a pretty common common exercise where you just let go of a CD and, and send it off, and he added that, because I don't think CDs are ever finished, they're just abandoned. <laughs> I kind of I related to that. Anyway, we're at the end of November, which means December is literally a couple of days away, which means that it's time for another uh, house concert at the Canyon Acoustic Society House Concert Series out here in Aromas, California. Uh, the December artist for the Canyon Acoustic Society is going to be Claudia Nygaard, national resident Claudia Nygaard. So I talked to her on the phone a couple of nights ago. Nights ago? Morning. I think it was morning. It was afternoon. It was a couple of days ago. It was Thanksgiving Eve, so we'll call it night. And... Um, this was one of those interviews where we we started out under the guise of an interview, and it just became pretty much a forty five minute chat on the phone about everything but muse but her, and, and you'll 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 discover this because we actually picked up a conversation about house concerts we had the night before and kind of recapped that, talked about really the state of modern music in light of um, well we kind of pined for the days of vinyl records and reading liner notes and. Uh, Kind of compared that with the current generation who were, you know, you know, instant gratification, downloads, drop cards, and 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 iPods, and that whole generation, and kind of wondering, you know, where it might end up. And then about halfway through the interview, I told Claudia and I said, I said we should probably talk about you at some point. So we did that as well. Um, it's just a really nice long chat, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking with Claudia. It gives you a really good insight into who she is as an, as an artist as well. So before we get to that, I wanted to um, let you hear a couple of things off her latest release, Somewhere Else to Go. Let's hear a couple of songs, and then we'll, we'll chat with Claudia on the phone. Um, we're going to hear I Want to Look Good in Your Memory, and then a little bit of What Her Girlfriends Say, 
and then we'll chat with Claudia Nygaard.
Well, I usually wear my earbud even if it's not on because I talk to myself so much that I think that it probably makes people think I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the funny thing, and that's true, that's a good idea, just to walk around with it on. You know, because the, the opposite is the people that used to walk around talking to themselves, you know, we thought they were crazy, now they're just on the phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or people walk up and to you. And probably all those people that we thought were crazy, they were, weren't crazy. They were talking to somebody, we just couldn't see the person they were talking to. They were just ahead of their time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no. Good to talk to you finally. Yeah, good to talk to you. Yeah. So let's talk about, we had this conversation last night about house concerts, and I wish I would have recorded it because it was kind of half the interview. Let's talk about what house concerts have done for independent music, and how long have you been doing house concerts? Oh, geez, a couple years now, Mm -hmm. I guess, is all. I kind of was playing, I played a lot of fairs for many years. I've played like 200 fairs in almost every state in the Union. But um, I started playing house concerts. After I was at Kerrville, I think I okay. started. And what year was that? Uh, well, 2004 was the year that I won. Yeah, you so won a couple of things right after that. I saw that on your, on, your, on your website. Yeah, that was, that was a great day. I'll I was bet. with my friend Kathy, and I was jumping up and down so much when they announced that I had won that she had to jump up and down with the camera in her hand in order to <laughs> take Can't my you. picture. <laughs> Uh, Show some great. enthusiasm, would you? you know. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, I haven't been that. I haven't been that excited about something since I was a kid. I don't think. I mean, it was really fun. Kerbal's a big deal. Yeah. It is. Well, it is kind of a big deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because you know, it's just you know, those people they love music down there. You know, and they love original music. And that's good. Getting back to house concerts. That we, that's what we were talking about last night. Right. Right. It's like there's this with this this thing starting with these house concerts it's like there's a rebirth of interest in original music Mm -hmm. and when you think about it music has gotten so marketed in the last you know 20 years that you it's not even about talent anymore you know you get you get all this crud you know packaged well by some marketing guy Mm -hmm. and and that's and it just lays there. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, for even, even the even the bands or the artists that I like, the ones that are big, they're big. I mean, I mean the people that I like that are big, they've got money behind them. I mean, to even even if you're doing original good music to really get out there, you need that machine behind you. And it's you know if you're, yeah. just, if you're just writing songs and producing your own CDs, you tend to not have just you know wads of cash to throw at your throw at your at your your marketing profile. So. And then there's the whole question of whether or not that's going to work in the future. Right, right, right. With the internet, with iTunes, with downloads. Have you uh, heard about WiMAX? WiMAX? No, I haven't. I'm doing. Um, Rich Warren is an incredible DJ. I just think the world of him. He's uh, a DJ on satellite uh, on XM. Okay. He, on the folk on the village, the folk station. Okay. And he's. I, mean, I, I just uh, sent him a contract. I'm going to do his show in May on May second. And he uh, was telling me that. In about five more years, this is assuming, of course, that the government bails out the auto industry. Yeah. But in about five more years, he said that it, it's very, very possible that there's going to be something in the cars. Like now, you get a you get a car and it has like a six CD changer and a satellite radio mm-hmm. adapter. Well, in about five years, he said that they're going to come out with something called WiMAX, which is like Wi-Fi in your car. And you will be able to listen to radio stations all over the place 
on the internet in your car. Mm. So I'll be driving around in national in Nashville listening to the pig. Wow. You know? That's pretty exciting. Pretty amazing. And that's gonna level the playing field way big. I would think because so. Because when that happens, what's gonna I think well now this is just me speculating. <laughs> I have no data to base this up to back this up. But my thinking is is that what's gonna happen is if you're interested in a particular kind of music you'll find out about other people who make that same kind of music from the people that you listen to already, mm-hmm. you know. And it will um, it will build that, that way where, like, if you like acoustic music, for instance, you know, there will be uh, certain artists that you will follow and you'll go listen to where they are on the radio from their websites and then you'll discover these radio stations that play that kind of music. Which is, which is also going to be great for the Internet because someone like me has been really... Outplaying for, I mean, since my first CD, out really outplaying, trying to figure this out for about three years now. Um, the independent internet stations are really the place that I get played. Yeah. You know? And that, that'll be a, a boon for all these, you know, besides Cape Pig, I mean, the, the really independent, like there's a station called Wild West Radio that comes out of Sonoma, and they're just they're, they're just people with a server and they're, they're, that are playing the stuff they love. And, and you can find it on the web, but. You know, I, I know listening habits are different for different people, but I listen, tend to listen to music in my car, and when I get home, not so much because I want some quiet time. So in the car, it'd be great. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the main time. I think that's the main time people listen to music. Mm-hmm. You get home, and then you have too much competition. You know, there's, there's the TV, and there's phone calls, yeah. and there's talking to your family, and, and you know, you, or you get on your computer to do some, check your email and do some work and stuff. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, you know, I think, I think the younger people are, the more they can listen to music while they do things. We had our nieces and nephew over the weekend. Our nieces, well, the older one at least, is constantly, they constantly have an iPod bud in one ear. And I can't do that. <laughs> when I got my little player, I had it at work, and I was walking around with headphones for like an hour. I said, I can't do it. It's, just, it's too much stimulus, I think. And I think for me, I like, I mean, because I'm a music geek anyway, I think for music, I like to be able to sit and listen to it and not have it as background noise. Well, the other thing, too, is that if you're in the music business, I mean, I don't just listen. I'm like, oh, man, what a cool drum part. Or, right. gee, you know, how did they get the reverb on that, that ukulele? It sounded terrific. Or, what a great lyric. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we, we're talking about picking out players. Like, that's Julie Miller doing a harmony on that track. Oh, that's Jerry Douglas. Yeah. That, that's got to be Sam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't just listen. You know, we're like exploring yeah. in the song. Yeah. You, and you can't, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't just, Listen, I can't have music. Music is not background for me. You know. Yeah. What I what news I, can be background. Yeah. What I, what I find for me, it's just because of my. I think my roots is like, if, if I need like, you know, background noise when I'm working, it's usually like the Ramones or some old, old kind of like loud guitar stuff. Kind of at a, at a, okay. That's that's how I tune things out. But to really yeah. listen and tune and yeah, I can't listen to. I, I like an example is when Patty Griffin's last album came. I took it to work. And I really couldn't play it because I have to stop and listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's really hard. Cause, and I'm the same way. And I, and I get where... You, the other thing that happens for me is even in the car, I listen to so much all the time yeah. that when I get in the car sometimes, I want the silence. I do that too. You know? Yeah. I just want everything off. I just... Yeah. I, I'm, I put off getting a cell phone for forever because one of the little tiny joys of the road for me was the fact that 
nobody can get me here. Right, <laughs> you know, right, right. I'm no isolated. one could find me. No one could ha- you know, be dialing me up and invading my my thoughts. You know. Plus, I write a lot. When here's I'm a writing. yeah. Here's a good songwriting question. Do you do this? I just finished my my new CD, and so for the last probably at least a solid month in the car, the only thing I've listened to is the current mix of certain song. <laughs> do you, oh, yeah. And I and when I, I turned it in for application, literally Monday, I, I took it in and I found a local guy that I really like, and um, I, t- I turned it in, and, and he said, "Okay, now you can't listen to your CD anymore until you get it back." And I go, "Okay." Because <laughs> it's like so for me, it's like a little quiet times. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I've been working on this CD for oh, kind of years because I, I started it and then I ended up buying some real estate and renovating it, and that really sidetracked me. But um, I'm back to it now and just about wrapping it up and getting ready to mix. Okay. And, I, and I've found that I still am in love with the tracks. Mm. Just like That's never good. happened to me before when I've done a record. You went sick Usually of it. by the time I get to the mix stage, I'm like, I don't want to listen to this yeah, ever exactly. again. <laughs> you know? That's a good sign if you're still happy with it. Yeah, you know. it's still fun. You know, yeah. it's still fun. Yeah. So how's the, how is the house con? Being with you in Nashville, what's the house concert scene like out there? It's slower. I, I mean, to, to me, Texas is about the best. Is it really? Texas is so developed. I mean, there's so many house concerts in Texas, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I would think Nashville. I would think in Nashville, you're kind of you're probably like inundated with places to play, or just competition Nashville's for places to play. Well, Nashville's such an odd town. It's like L.A. or New York in that you can't get paid to play. Uh, there are too many people who are there who are waiters or waitresses uh-huh. or even session guys and. And, and working in the business, in, you know, as an agent, but really wanted to be a singer. Uh-huh. That are all playing for free, just for the joy of playing. Mm. And they're they're as good as people in, you know, Podunk somewhere or other in the, you know, in the local bars. They may not be, you know, real artist artists. You know, they're not maybe somebody that you'd pay big money to see or anything, but. But they'll they'll play for free because they just want to play mm-hmm. for the joy of playing. So what happens is there's so much music going on in the town. It's very very hard to make any music and to make any money doing music. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's very few venues. I, I play at the Country Music Hall of Fame a couple times a year, which is a really lovely theater inside the museum. And I mean, that's even just Union Scale, but it's really a lovely venue. And then I play the Bluebird, and that's about it. I really don't play in town much. Mm. Most of of my gigs are out of town because, you you know, you want to go where the audience is. Yeah. (laughs) Which goes back to house concerts. And I've I've kind of played, I think I've played three or four or five separate ones throughout California now, mainly locally here, but there's a few out, out of my area, which... And they're great. I think the people that put on the music, it's a labor of love because it's basically it's a donation for the band, for the artist. And the people that come, like we were talking about this last night, it becomes kind of like this really nice social scene. People go for the music. Yeah. And you see the same people at every concert or every, you know. And it becomes like a, a, a cool hang. It becomes like a great party. Yeah. It's, like, it's like for me, I compare it to like my book club. I've been in the same book club with these women, all of which are married to like phenomenal songwriters, actually. <laughs> Craig Bickard's wife and uh, Tom Schuyler's wife and Don Schlitz's wife was in it for a while. I mean, just all these really 
great writers, but mm-hmm. I've become friends with their wives over the years, and we've been in this book club now for about 20 years. That was mm-hmm. one of the first things I did when I came to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And it's just every, the first Tuesday of every month, it's a, we take turns hosting it at somebody's house, and then we have, you know, everybody puts on the dog food-wise, and we basically eat and drink wine and talk about books. But mm-hmm. but it's a, it's, I look forward to it as much because I love to read, and I love the stimulation of talking about books. Mm-hmm. But I love these girls, too, now. You know, I mean, yeah. these are these girls are, we've got 20 years of shared history. And we're right, friends. right, it's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we know, we remember when, I mean, Luke's graduating from, from high school last year, and we remember when he was a, when he was three days old and came to his first book club, you know. Well, that's you know, it's like whether it's books or you know or music. When you when you find a group of people that you share some 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 love of something with, as you get to know them, of course, other things about their lives come up, and you become really entwined with each other. And it's you know, yeah, very nice. Yeah, you, you, you know, it's just it's a, it kind of is an extended family, and I think that's kind of the same thing that happens when I play a house concert. You know, you can tell these people come. They maybe originally came for the music, mm-hmm. but they come back, and you know, they're it's like once a month, and they get to see each other. It's not so often that they feel like you know they have to be, you know, be a really close friends. But it's a, it's a it's a great little gathering of people with similar interests, and I'm sure they find that you know if they have the same interest, same taste in music, they probably have the same taste in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And and I'm sure they, but they just seem to be great friends. You know, they become friends. It's it's almost like a. Have you ever heard of meetups? Um, I don't. No, I don't think so. I have a girlfriend who's single, and she goes to these things all the time, and they're called meetups. And I think it's. I've never looked them up. Is it like speed dating? Well, no. Okay. It's so much cooler than that because what it is is, like, she has a belly dancing meetup. She goes to. There's no men in it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just women who are into belly dancing because oh, she is, you know. And then, but she's got a kayaking meetup that she does because she's in, got a kayak, and there's men there, and, and of course, you know, because men are into kayaking. And then she'll have like a, an Italian. She's she's of Italian descent, so she has an Italian club meetup that where people like go to speak Italian stuff. So it's basically it hinges around a common interest, mm-hmm. and you meet other people, That's and maybe you. Maybe you you will meet a guy that you want to date. I mean, it's kind of hopeful that you will. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, if you don't, you might meet a woman you enjoy hanging out with as a girlfriend too. You know. So the pressure isn't there, and it's it's more. Yeah. If you, if you find somebody you have chemistry, it's probably pretty natural. Yeah, and you and you already have things in common anyway. At least you know you're, you're going to. At least you can go kayaking. You, know, you go. Else. You go with the attitude that you're going to make a new friend. Right. Whether it becomes a romantic friend or not is, you know. That all depends. But That's a great idea. The idea. Yeah, it's kind of a cool thing, and it's sort of similar, like, with house concerts. Mm-hmm. It, and a, it's an interesting thing when you think about it, because, the, you know, like, kids today, uh, it sound like my grandfather, kids today, but the kids today are tell like... tell you, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> running around with iPods in their ears and texting. Mm-hmm. Like, my niece would, would prefer to text over even email, and she never picks up the phone. Right. Right. And in a way, that's a little scary to me because it's so isolated. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like people are making the connections, you know, uh, emotional connections in, in terms of friendships. So that's kind of an interesting thing. In one way, music has, has become very, you don't share music 
I don't think they share music the way we used to when I was young, you know, and you'd have like a, a record party and people would come over and, you know, you'd listen to music and stuff. Of course, you'd know, was, then you'd eat a whole lot of really sweet stuff for some reason and then fall asleep. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, the, there was other things being shared besides the music. But the, there's, there's, um, but there was a shared thing. And then we were talking about this last night about, you know, it became, it was a status thing almost to know, you know, oh yeah, well that song was written by Wendy Waldman, um, and uh, you have the Wendy Waldman's album and, you, you you got turned on to her because she wrote one of the songs on Marie Moldar's album, right, or something, you right. know, just like I remember having both of those albums, and I bought the Wendy Waldman album because I was I was so enthralled I was so enthralled with that uh, Midnight at the Oasis album. Little feedback, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, just you know, it, be, it becomes it became in those days when I was young and, and listening to music with with young people. It was a status thing to know who played on the record, and it was it was all like seven degrees from Kevin Bacon kind of stuff, right? You know? Right, right. But it was a, it was kind of like a badge of honor. It's kind of like you know, in order to be cool, you had to know that stuff, you know? Yeah, and now I don't know. I don't know, my, my, but my niece when she when, when I when I when I get time with them, I always say, "What's in your iPod? Let me listen to it," you know, and let me try to see what they're into. And, and there was once, oh, they she had the um cover of Green Day doing John Lennon's Working Class Hero and I, I hadn't heard about this particular Lennon tribute album so I, I put it on and I went oh this is great she went yeah my friend told me to download it I said it's a John Lennon cover and she starts giving me this blank stare and I go okay you're 14 um, you've heard of John Lennon right no I go okay just, just pacify your Uncle Mike and, and or patronize your Uncle Mike and tell me you've heard of the Beatles I think so <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm so old. <laughs> exactly. That could just be generational. But you wonder if if they're going to have the same interests that we are. You know. One thing that kind of concerns me uh, about MP3s is that the quality just isn't there. Right. When you compare an MP3 to a 33 RPM record, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get the presence. I went to. I was at the Americana convention last fall. And I got to sit in on a talk that was uh, being hosted in the, the with a producer by the name of Tebow Burnett. Oh, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But if anybody listening to this doesn't know who he is, he uh, he was the one who did all of the music for Old Brother Where Art Thou and also the Johnny Cash movie. He also teamed up. And Alison he also Krause just did Plant. Alison Krauss and Robert Plant, right? Exactly, and that's what he was talking about. But he was talking. He was still. He has just now started to go digital. <laughs> but he he said he you know he just could for the longest time it just didn't sound good to him. Mm-hmm. And there's a sophistication um, when you hear things uh, uh, that are in a in a in a, in a higher fidelity. Uh, you be, you can tell the difference if you really a b it and you listen to a record mm-hmm. like an old LP and then you listen to an MP3. Yeah. And so I mean I think like uh, another thing I was in on uh, was a DJ talk at this conference and the, they were talking about um, about going digital about being able to upload your songs to DJs. Mm-hmm. And the problem therein is that, first of all, the DJs, a lot of them don't have the hard drive capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. So many 
because the A files or the WAV files have to be so huge, you know, to get good quality, quality right. to get broadcast quality. And you know, whereas an MP3 is going to be maybe three megs, mm -hmm. you know, and then you got a an A file and it's going to be ten, fifteen times that, you know. So he's it's not. I mean, they're talking about oh, how the CD is dead and all, but until such time as um, as they can upload the bigger files, I don't think so. Yeah, and you have um, to have, and you have to have enough people on the back end that are running things that really care about that audio quality. I think that's that's the kicker. Yeah. But I, and and here's another thing too. Um, you know, that's interesting is that I think music is more disposable to younger people because there are so many other um, things being for their attention. I mean, from video games and and so many cables on the uh, cable stations on TV playing music and satellite radio and mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so many different kinds of um, of entertainment. Back in the days when we had three channels. Back in the days when we had three channels and vinyl records and <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was easy to sit around listening to records all day because you know there wasn't you there know. wasn't a lot of competition for your right. attention. Yeah. Exactly. That's very interesting. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see what happens. But but the only thing I'm concerned about is that I, I have this great quote to share with you. I was talking to somebody one time who was telling me that during World War II we were talking about money for the arts. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he said that during World War II, the, uh, the military went to Winston Churchill and said, you know, if we could cut back on funding this project, project and that project, listing all these different, you know, arts projects and stuff, we'd have a lot more money for defense. Hmm. And, and Winston Churchill purportedly turned to them and said, my dear young man, what do you think we're fighting this war for? I like that. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. But it's true, and I mean, it is It is our culture, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, kind of, I kind of would like to see us give more money to schools for the arts, because, you know, people say, oh, that is even music. Well, of course, kids don't know the difference. They that's, why have, you in, know. That's, why, that's why they're in school, to instill this stuff in them. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much between classical music and jazz and uh, I was playing my niece this old blues tune from Alberta Prime from 1930s that I had and she wrinkled her nose all up and gave me this funny face but I could tell she really dug it so that weekend she came up to spend a week with me last summer and I had her uh, we went up I was playing uh, this little venue uh, up in the mountains in uh, Indiana and I took her up there with me and all the way up I played her a CD of early Hank Williams. Ooh. Early Hank Williams. And how old is she? Um, well, it was, it was, I had a bunch of stuff. It was kind of an out, a CD I put together, but right. she was she was 12. Wow. And she dug it. You That's know, cool. I didn't think she That's would, because she was all into rap music, you know. Uh -huh. but, but I played this stuff for her, and she could, she got it. You know, she, I said, I, I, was, I was explaining to her the roots of country music and, and what this is what you know when you're listening to Carrie Underwood <laughs> you can understand that it goes back to this you mm -hmm. know and and so it was really a trip to kind of
turn her on to this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, if she ever gets into country music, it'll be 10 years from now at least, but she, she went right home and put her rap, rap records back on. But Yeah, but she but, listened and she was interested, which is good. Yeah. And, and what I'm noticing about kids today, this is a positive thing, is that if you do grab your niece or nephew's iPod, mm-hmm. you see all kinds of stuff in there. It's pretty much all over the board. It's all over the board. They got Frank Sinatra in there, mm-hmm. you know. They'll have Frank Sinatra and Patsy Cline and Johnny Cash and Green Day and, you know, <laughs> it would just be whoever. That's, that's, they... that's one of the good things about this, about you know, iTunes and downloads is you can grab stuff so quickly without having to go into I mean I still I still miss the smell of a record store but if yeah. they're online and they're grabbing all this different because of their friends said, Well grab this song and they can grab it instantaneously and there's a chance to expose them to a lot of really cool stuff. So there's that potential for something really good. There was one comment I was gonna say I interviewed a, a Texas songwriter a couple of weeks ago. I haven't posted the interview yet, but her new C D she had a she was talking about it and she said, This is probably gonna be my last CD because of the way downloads are going. She goes, so I commissioned the artwork for the front. I paid an artist to give a painting to make a painting for the front. I went through the, I went for the the Digipack route for people that don't know. Digipack is the the plastic liner with the nice cardboard sleeve around it. She actually did something really nice that cost her a little more because she thought this might be my last full blown CD because of the way things are going. Which I don't, I don't know if I completely agree with that. I don't think I do. And I think going back to house concerts and people, you know, my age and above, because I'm 45, I find that people that, that tend to listen to me, like what I do, or like the kind of music I like, you know, you want to go to a show and walk away with a CD. And I think a lot of a, a lot of younger bands are selling these drop cards where you can you get a code to download. But I don't think people. I mean, I would. I'd really. Would I think I will end up probably doing both. I have cards yeah. available. Uh, for those who would rather do that, and I will have CDs because there is still something about having that tangible product, about mm-hmm. having the lyrics printed in the sleeve, mm-hmm. you know, and about having the ability to to put it up there on a shelf with your collection. Yeah, there's something still. I still I have a collection. I still have records. My my mm-hmm. uh, boyfriend has a whole wall of records, yeah. which we had in the you, living room. Once a while, longest time I, until I finally badgered him into somewhere I, else. When I get a, when I get a CD with a great cover, I, say, I always say I really miss album covers. Yeah, there was this one. I think it was John Hyatt. Um, um, Walk on. The, the cover is him. He's in a barn. He's in the the doorway of a barn. So the the barn outline is black, and he's facing a dog, and he's holding a guitar. So like the barn outline and Hyatt and the dog and the guitar are all completely dark, and there's this lit up sky behind. It's this beautiful photograph, and I, I, I saw that. And I said, I wish it was an album cover. I put it up on the wall. It's just a beautiful photograph. But yeah, you know. So yeah, I think of, I think it is a good argument to do both because drop cards are inexpensive to produce, and some people just want to do downloads anyway. You can give them the option to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's going to be... But I, I do think that some people really would, would prefer to have the, the the product in their hand. I would. I want to see the pictures. I want to know who played on the record. Mm-hmm. You know? I want to know what the lyric was, and I want to know where it was mastered and who mixed it. And, you know, I mean, I want to know all that stuff. And DJs certainly want to know all that stuff. And as long as you're trying to get it to DJs, you got to have some way to get it to them until they can upload. That's why I was saying earlier, until such time as DJs can upload WAV files and AVEs, mm-hmm. the CD's going to be around yeah, for any of us who are trying to get airplay. 
Yeah. we got to do a CD anyway for them, so we might as well have some mm-hmm. in the car. Yeah, and I think having, I think for, for shows, I think having both CDs and drop cards is a, is a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. We should talk about you at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just realized we've been talking for half an hour about the state of the industry and those darn kids. Yeah. Um, so you're coming out here in California for, is it for two shows? You're going to play Marquis House Concert, the Canyon Acoustic Society House Concert, for their, their December show, which is going to be great fun. And going back to talking about house concerts, I was telling you last, this is the thing I like about house concerts, too, is be, not only are they, they tend to um, kind of have a, a core group of the same people every time, so a house concert is usually a mix of people that hopefully come to see you, and also you get sort of the core group, so you get to play to new people usually. And um, yeah. and I found, like, um, oh, a friend of mine, Beth Barnett and Greg Newland, have a series in Campbell, True in Music, and they do a, um, you know, during the break there's dessert. When you go to... Um, to Marcus, she actually does a, a, a full-blown dinner. I mean, so she'll do some theme dinner for the artist. So you'll you'll go and you'll get a donation at the door. You get a full dinner. The artist plays a set. Then there's dessert at the breaks, and then there's a place over in Gilroy called the Barn, and they're they're different. So every house concert is completely different. They all have kind of their own special charm, you know. And it's it's kind of interesting to see how some people will actually kind of build a whole venue in their backyard or kind of fix up an existing building. Some just do it in their living room. You know, so they're all they're all different and they're all charming and they're all it's kind of the fun is seeing how every house concert is different. I think too. Oh yeah, I think so too. I just played this one in, down in Houston when it was, and she had like this incredible, um, I don't know, aviary. I guess. I mean, she had like swan and not it wasn't a swan. I guess it was goose and ducks and all these different kinds of birds uh-huh. and, <laughs> and doves and everything. It was really amazing. She had this huge backyard and it was all really beautifully done with fish ponds and everything but I mean it was an outdoor thing nice. she's in Houston of course mm-hmm. so they have pretty good weather she she, she doesn't host during the heat of the summer yeah but the very um, coldest winter days winter months I think she's but she's pretty much in the spring and the fall because she's outside and, and yeah each one has its own character yeah that's part of the fun yeah it's funny at Marquis we played I think the last time I played there was in August and I told her I said I want to do something different. I want to play a garden party. Let's do it outside. She went, okay, because her daughter's wedding was there a year before last, and it was all fixed up. And so I had this great idea about playing in the afternoon, and I forgot about the fog coming into aromas at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and it got freezing cold. We played. It was oh, fun, no. but it was like, okay, we're not doing this again. It was, this, was my, this was my big idea. <laughs> but, uh, so you're going to play. You're playing Marquis, and you're playing, is it Sonoma you're playing? I think I'm doing that. That okay. might end up being canceled. I'm okay. doing a, uh, I think I'm doing a benefit for, for in Northern California. I'm not okay. sure on that. People can check the website and they'll find okay. out for sure. I should know in a week or so. So, but, folks, um, so folks want to see you, the place to come is Marky's on December 13th. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Marky told you this, but I played Monterey County Fair a bunch of times. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I played there a bunch of times. I've played there probably about six times over the last couple decades, but I mean, I played there in the last 10 years, probably three or four times. And uh, so I'm kind of hoping that I can send out a postcard to some of those people who've maybe never been to a house concert before, and then I'll wander That'd in. That'd be good for Marky, too. Yeah. Again, yeah. the, the thing I like about house concerts, too, is kind of like this cross-promotion thing. You get people to the house concert, the area. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you got, but it's such a great thing. I mean, because, it, you know, the whole the whole getting back to this house concert thing although we should be talking about me but the house concert thing is like the music itself in that it's original 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. Um, it's not. Th- 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 That's a really good is, point. Yeah. There was a guy uh, who wrote all these big, big songs. He said there was a book. He used to call it four, four chords and the truth, three chords and the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and it, and he used to say that the one, the only thing wrong with the music business was Belmont students. Because we have this university here in Nashville, Belmont University, which is a music industry school. And these kids come out, well, these kids don't know anything about music, don't play an instrument, never did. And they come in and they start doing all of the, their interns are working for free, so they start screening all the songs. You know, so they're, they can't tell the difference between a good song and a good demo. Right. So, you know, the, the stuff that gets through to, to to get to the artist to hear is maybe not what the artist would have screamed, you know? So it was, it, that, there's a problem with that. And the whole thing, it's just, it's like when you try to market art, yeah. it's, it's almost like a dichotomy, you know? It's almost like a, an oxymoron, you know? Because you can't, it's art, you know? It's not about money. It never has been about money. Nobody who's ever made it ever made it because of money. Nobody gets into the business going, gee, I think I'll make a lot of money. I think I'll be a musician, right. you know? Or I think I'll be a really painter or something. Rich, you know? <laughs> yeah, and and most of us are so bloody busy on the creative end that we never get around to marketing ourselves, so we never make any money. <laughs> yeah, and then the other side, too, is you, if you don't, if you don't, you know, give in to marketing, then no one's going to, I mean, you you got to get word out about your stuff. I, I, like, I've, had, I've talked about this a couple times in this interview series, but... When I first put up my website, I thought having a website that said michaelgaither.com was so pretentious and so self-serving. I had a really hard time with it for a long time, and I thought, well, I'm putting all this effort into recording and writing songs. I might as well get word out about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of a balance, I think. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that what's great about having a website is every once in a while I'll get an email from somebody who heard me 20 years ago before there was an internet mm, and said, great. I just Googled you out of curiosity and I was so thrilled to find you again. You know, where are you now? Oh, that's I mean, cool. From like when I played it, when I lived in L.A. or California right. or something, you know. And yeah, what's nice is they remembered you and they looked you up. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's really a trip, you know. Sometimes people remember stuff that you don't remember. I had this woman <laughs> who was playing... In California, at this at this venue that I had played at, you know, like 15 years before or something, and she requested a song called Carrie, mm-hmm. and or, or some, you know, was, was it Carrie? I think she said Chess for Carrie, and I said, I'm sorry, I said I only do original material, and she goes, You wrote it, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a song I'd written 15 years ago. ago. I'd forgotten all about, <laughs> and she'd remembered it, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, it was really kind of mind blowing, but and the, you know, people they have their own um, set of uh, things that, about you that you know that they like. I mean, I've got fans in Los Angeles that want to hear songs that I wrote when I've been in Los Angeles twenty mm-hmm. years ago. You know, was, but that's all right. You know, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's nice to cool. have people that that believed in you then and believe in you now. Yeah, they still want to hear you. Yeah. Well, great. So, uh, I want to ask one more thing. So, your latest re- your latest release is called "Somewhere Else to Go." That people can get now, and you're working mm-hmm. on your next CD, which will be out whenever it comes out. Yeah, it'll probably be ready for. Well, I'm planning to mix it the first of January. Okay. And um, and so it'll probably get released to the press shortly after that, and then uh, I'm hoping that I'll be getting it to uh, radio 
by the time I do Rich Warren's show in Chicago, which will be the first of May. So that's right. about, it'll probably be ready for purchase about the end of April. I also know that right now people can actually go to your website and listen to a couple of tracks that you've put up. Yeah, they can hear a couple of those are good. rough mixes, good, but good. they can hear a couple of the songs, get an idea of what it's going to be like. And then what I'll do is I'll put um, I'll, I'll put a little blurb about this interview on my website with some links back to your site and the songs so people can kind of get an idea which you oh, sound great. like and why they want to come see you at Marky's. Be yeah. Great. Well, they should come to Marky's because, first of all, it's a great hang. <laughs> and secondly, Trust me, it's a great hang. It really yeah, it is. is. It's, a, it's a wonderful. <laughs> Marky, Marky loves to host parties. She's a great cook. And this, this house concert thing, um, Kind of the way it started was uh, a couple of years ago, I met Marky, and she told me she wanted to start doing house concerts. And I said, well, you know, I've been playing for I like to start playing in house concerts. So we talked about it, and she said, why don't I book you for my first show? That way, if I screw up, you won't get mad at me, and if you're nervous, I won't get mad at you. <laughs> so we played her first show, and, you know, it went it went fine, and, and now it's kind of like words out. She's getting inundated with people wanting to play at her house, so it's it's a really nice scene. Oh, yeah. Good. Well, it's great, a great so, thing. Yeah, so we'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah, I'll be excited to play there. I'm going to you know, tell people what I do. Um, in a nutshell, I'm kind oh, yeah. of like uh, John Prine or Guy Clark on massive doses of estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again slowly. John Prine or Guy Clark on massive doses of estrogen. I like it. <laughs> I write a lot of stories the show, And I'll put a link to Marky's. To Marky's, uh, you, you, to Marky's show on my side. See, you write a lot of story songs, I take it. Yes, I do. Good. And some funny ones. Oh, you know, good. It's, it's a good mix of, you know, it's not all just so bloody serious, you know. I write a lot of humor. It's not going to be two hours of navel gazing? <laughs> Introspective yeah, navel it's grazing? it's not like that. No, Introspective is, navel grazing. Yeah. This is more fun than that. I can't do that. I get too bored. My thing is pretty much story songs, and a lot of them happen to be about animals. For some reason, I've, I've glommed on to writing animal songs and story songs, and I tried writing what I thought were like regular songs, and it just didn't work. So you, <laughs> you write what's comfortable. But you write what you're supposed to write. That, that too. Well, good talking to you. Good talking to you. I'm looking yeah. forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, and we'll see you probably in about three weeks. Yeah. Great. Thanks again. Thanks, Michael. Introspective navel grazing. I don't think we'll get that with Claudia's show. I'm looking forward to it. By the way, this this ongoing topic of the state of modern music, which I ended up titling this podcast episode, I think the um, this, this conversation about you know the the death of vinyl records in the good old days and. Uh, you know, what's going to happen with the CD? What's going to happen with this next generation of music listeners that are tuned to their iPods and downloads and single songs? You know, is the album format over with? Are CDs done? Uh, I think right now it's kind of, a, kind of a mix. I think people my age and above and maybe a little younger like the CD, like something tangible in their hand. And I think people younger are just used to grabbing stuff off iTunes and the Internet. And I've had this flavors of this conversation with a lot of songwriters the last year. I think we'll keep having it because... It's kind of interesting to see where it's going to go. I think we were raised on the album format, 10, 12 songs, kind of a song cycle, and maybe not so much the current generation. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. 
So uh, that was Claudia Nygaard, and she'll be out here on the West Coast on December 13th at the Canyon Acoustic Society House Concert. If you want to find out more about that, and one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of this about 45 minutes ago, is if you go to my site, michaelgather.com, it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com, look for the notes for Songs and Stories number 48. There are links to Claudia's site. There are links to the Canyon Acoustic Society's MySpace page. There's also a, an email link to Marky, who runs the Canyon Acoustic Society, and you can make a reservation for the house concert on Saturday, December 13th. If you have any comments about this podcast episode, or if you'd like to find out when new ones are coming up, you can get them a mailing list by sending me an email, michael at michaelgaither.com. And until next time on Songs and Stories, I'm Michael Gaither. Thanks for listening. Take care. Mm-hmm.